Kuruna-burunalayo palayo maam Bhavushagara dukkha vidunaridam Rachaya khiladarshana tattva vidam bhava Shankaradeshiko mesharanam Bhavu Shankara Deshiko Mesharanam Om Shanti 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 You are the ocean of mercy. Please protect us from the ocean of the cycles of birth and death which tormenting our hearts all the time. You are the knower of the supreme truth which is a theme in all the Upanishads, so far expressed in writing. May you, O Shankara, become the sole refuge of my heart. Om, peace, peace, peace be unto us all. So today, our topic is Shankara and his teachings. Acharya Sankara, without whom probably this Vedanta would not have been in existence. Such is the great contribution of Sankara. When Buddha, Buddhism came and it reached its climax, with a tremendous spirit of renunciation, a tremendous spirit of dedication for the truth. But with the decadence of Buddhism, when after thousands of years, this Buddhism lost its internal spirit. The purpose was to bring, to bring out a person from the suffering and misery. But Buddhism forgot that principle and Buddha's ideal taken in this way, Buddhaṁ saranaṁ gacchāmi, I'll follow Buddha. Sanghaṁ saranaṁ gacchāmi, I'll follow the organization. And Dhammang Saranangachami, I will follow the Dharma. But it was in practice, those are gone. And they became very highly intellectual logicians. Top logicians in the society who knows how to argue, but not putting those arguments for the purpose of knowing the truth. As Buddha said, there is suffering and there is a way to get out. And that's why the path of renunciation. But everyone then started becoming a monk. Every house, every home, monk and nun. And then they renounced and 
this Buddhism, Buddhistic organization became full of monks and nuns, but there is no basic qualities of becoming a monk and nun. So intellectual knowledge became very high, so the very bad days for Indian spirituality appeared because people forgot what is the Vedic religion, which was before practiced with the homo fire and sacrificial fire and all those things, homo mantras, Vedic mantras, people forgot those things. I forgot, of course, the highest knowledge of Advaita Vedanta because there is nothing. Philosophy came into that, there is nothing. Nothingness is the ultimate goal, voidness, nothingness. That philosophy became predominant. And Vedic wisdom also forgotten. So it becomes a mesh of some doctrinal, argumentative uh, society. And each Buddhist became so argumentative, they are not believing in God, they are neither believing the Upanishadic truths, neither following the path of Buddhism, which is really to know who you are, as is Atma Deepo Bhava, or to get out of the problems of intense spiritual practices necessary, austerity, meditation, and all the eightfold path to follow sincerely, those paths were forgotten and that was a very bad day. Then, then came the need of someone to come. Then came Kumaril Bhatta. He was the propounder of this Vedic culture, but that Vedic culture of Karmakanda. Karmakanda means the ritualistic part of the Vedic teachings. Vedas are two parts, you know, one part is the ritualistic part and another is the part of knowledge. So it is called karmakanda, where people are offering oblations and things and going to heaven or some other plane. And then higher knowledge, when people think that I have experienced those joys in the heaven, but it is not giving me total freedom. So then they start to know what is the truth behind so that is the Vedanta comes there. Now Buddhism has eradicated whole from uh, Indian, con uh, Indian uh, suburb that this philosophy of Vedic culture is totally gone that time when Sankara appeared. No, before Sankara, Kumaril appeared. Kumaril Bhatta, he was very much pained to see the condition of India, the spiritual India. He thought that people have forgotten Vedic practices, Vedic culture is gone, and everyone has become a nihilist, nothing. And big intellectual scholars, only logicians, you can have a greater logic, then you are a pandit, all become pandit. So he was pained, and he wanted to know this is a problematic thing. <laughs> we have no money, you know, see? Such is the poor condition of Hollywood. <laughs> My God. 
So Kumaril Bhatta then was pained at the condition. And then what he did, he thought something to do. How to do? What to do? Then he thought we have to, in, they are logician. So you have to speak in the language of logic then. You cannot fight with weapon or just go and say Vedic, Vedic truth is truth. They don't believe because Vedas are meaningless to them because it is there is no ultimate truth. Vedanta says there is divine, there is God. All these positions of worship is there, practice is there. But it is no position of God or divine or entity. People have taken wrongly the meaning of void theory. Theory, everything is void. Everything is sunna, 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 sunna. So he then thought how to fight it out. And he was pained. And so he became a student of a great Buddhistic scholar at that time. Kumaril Bhatta is the name. Bhatta means the Bhattacharya. Or Bhatta means the Brahmin, high-class Brahmin. Can someone bring some tape? Yeah, keep keep some tape. I can find some tape. From here, I can put it this way. So, um, then... And this, this will do, this will do. It looks ugly, but don't mind. But we are having, at least it will stay. Okay. <coughs> so, so he, la- he went to a uh, Buddhistic teacher, Buddhist teacher, who is a great logician. And he became a student and said, uh, I want to learn Buddhism. And he was very bright and intelligent, so teacher was happy and was teaching but other students, they found that he is really not a Buddhist probably. He does not believe these things. Because when the other boys, other students are criticizing the Vedas, Vedas are meaning worthless, Vedas are... It's, it's criticism on the Vedas. He failed, he used to cry sometimes, he used to weep. Looking at the condition, he thought that probably he is not a Buddhist then. The one day, then said, why are you crying and weeping? That you are all decrying Vedas. But Vedas are true. Vedas are true? What's the proof Vedas are true? Then Kumaril took a challenge. He said, if the, if the Vedas are true, that will prove I'll jump. If I jump from the top of a house or whatever, very high... Uh, height and fall let me see if the Vedas are true nothing will happen to me if the Vedas are true nothing will happen so he, then the boy said okay go and let me see you jump and see what happens and he jump, jumped by God's grace he was saved but one of his eye was lost then he said your Vedas are not true then <laughs> he said no it was my mistake. I said, if the Vedas are true, only I put the if, a little doubt. 
because I kept a little bit doubt, that's why my one eye is gone. And now, learning all the logic, then he challenged all the scholars one after another and defeated them because he knew the weak point of the Buddhism eh? and the logic, logic, log, logical stand. And he defeated, defeated, and the contract was that if you get defeated, then you will take my religion. What is my religion? Vedic religion. What is the Vedic religion? You will have to perform the sacrifice, sacrificial fire, and chant this mantra, Vedic mantras, as we chant many mantras here. So that type of thing you will have to do. You become a, you will be my student. So he actually, by that way, being a great logician, he went from one place to another place to another place, another place, and conquered almost all over India. Again, a Vedic civilization is regenerated. How it happened? Everywhere in the homes, then the, because the, the teachers, the leaders of the society who were Buddhist leaders, now they are defeated. So they took the religion of following the Vedic religion, what Kumaril Bhattavant himself did. He was a promoter of the Karma Kanda. Karma Kanda means the ritualistic worship, the ritualistic um, offering of oblation into the fire and sacrifice, etc. So again, whole of India gradually, gradually again started the culture of the Vedic culture, but that is not the meaning of the Veda. So whole of India became like that, but all are karmakandis and sacrifice. You sacrifice something in the fire so that you will be, you will, you will reach your objective goal. So you will reach heaven, you will do something like that. So then came Shankara. He as he, he became a very great logician and it is very his, his life was extraordinary life is so much talented that anything he, he listens once that is in his memory so his study was finished when he was a very young boy and his father mom father died and the mom sent Sankara to his teachers and then teacher, whatever teacher teaches, within a moment it is learned. As Swami Vivekananda used to uh, read. How he used to study? He will not read. The teacher will read, he will lie down in the bed, and teacher will read for him, and the study is done. That was the Shankara's brain, extraordinary brain. So that was the way Shankara was growing, and Shankara then learned all the logic and other things, and then he became a great scholar. But in his horoscope, it was found that he will be, uh, he get great reputation, people from all over the place coming, seeing a boy of such young boy, and all great scholars are coming and getting defeated, defeated, defeated. So it was a big uh, commotion in the whole society, and people used to come to see a boy who is only hardly five years, six years boy, seven years boy, and defeating all the great scholars of that time. And defeating them, and then his fame and name grew. But he thought, knowing all these things, what I shall gain? But his horoscope also said that he is going to die at the age of eight. And then he thought, that if I die without knowing the truth, then what is the meaning of this life? So 
he you was know, asking permission from mother. Mother is a widowed mother, only one son. So Bishishta is the name of the mother. Mother said, no, my child, you should not take sannas. But it's a dilemma. He said, if I get sannas, then at least I will realize God. And if I don't, then I will die either way. After eight, I am going to die. So, better you give me permission. But mother is affectionately thinking, so long I can keep, let it be, let it be. And then one day you know that story that ma- mother was, uh, there is a river flowing, it's called the Alawai River. Uh, even you can find it there. Now you can go to Kerala, to that place, Sankara's birthplace. And then uh, he said that when he was swimming, the boy was swimming, and the crocodile came, and crocodile caught the uh, Sankara's Sankara, and then the crocodile is pulling Sankara into the waters. And then Sankara started crying, Ma, give me permission for uh, becoming a monk. <laughs> give me permission for becoming a monk. And what she will do with that uh, pathetic scene, she fainted but saying, Okay, you get sonnath. <laughs> and suddenly miracle happened that that crocodile left and he came back unhurt. So when he came back, then mother was already given the permission. So he said that, okay, ma, now I shall go. And, but ma said that, how can I live without you? Then he said, don't worry. So he distributed his land and property to the relatives with the condition that they will look after the mom. And said, gave word to mother that, mother, whenever you need, you remember me, I will come to see you. One point. Second point, before you leave this body, I will make sure that you have your Ishta Darshan. And I will take care of your last rites. So with these three conditions, now Shankara, about the age of seven, um, so he started walking. He walking and he's trying to find a guru. And what is the guru's address? He heard that a great yogi, his name is Govindapad. Govinda is the name of that great yogi. What is his address? He's in South India. He's in Kerala. He heard the address is Go. there is a great yogi and he's in Samadhi like that. Fame all went into the whole of India. So he said he lives on the bank of Narmada. That is the home address of of, of that (laughs) yogi. See how India works. And that boy, he is a boy. He is just going to reach eight, little seven, almost seven years, few months. And he is searching for a guru to take shannas. Then he went on and on. It is very surprising how one can find a man who is lead, living on the bank of Donwada, which is 700 miles. And that is the home address. <laughs> and, and on the bank you will find there are big mountains and this and that, so many. So where to find a person who is Govindapada and is meditating somewhere and that will be the Guru. See, went on, on, on. 
and ultimately he came to Onkareshwar uh, in Madhya Pradesh, in the central India. And then he found that he, he came uh, to near a cave and saw that many old people are sadhus uh, with beard and matted lock sitting outside. And he said, boy, even eight years, you can understand, eight years, boy, how fearless in those days. Today's society is different. Uh, it was tiger infested, this, that, and he's running on the bank of the Narmada. Uh, it is such a length of uh, journey. And where is food, where is to live, what to eat, all these things. Just think about that. The tenacity, intensity, and the sincerity. Then he went and then what happened? Then he went into that state and found that these many sages and saintly people are waiting there. And then he said, where is Govindapad? I want to see him. He said, my boy, you come only today and you want to see Govindapad. <laughs> he is in Samadhi inside the cave. We are waiting for years and years. See, probably we came when we were young. You look at our condition, we have become like this. And he is this Govindapad. He's is a guru. His guru is Gaudapad. Gaudapad got the knowledge from Shukadev. So it is he's holding that wisdom to be given. It's a spiritual life is always like that. It is to be handed down from guru to guru. Uh, reading some book. We can get some mantra and get ourselves done. That is not recognized in the spiritual tradition. So he was waiting in his deep samadhi, waiting for someone to come who can take this responsibility of spreading this Vedic wisdom with the wisdom of all experience of the supreme oneness of the divinity. So Upanishadic Knowledge he is experienced and he is waiting to give it to somebody. And then came Shankara. Then but Shankara said, let me go inside the cave. And he entered and he did a very beautiful uh, pranam mantra, salutation mantra. He created a verse praising Guru. And he was also overwhelmed to see the, the great saint and great sage and full of bliss and blessedness. And seeing that, he started praising. And it was like a Ramakrishna Vivekananda meeting. So gradually he was in Samadhi, his eyes opened a little bit. And seeing Sankara, he was overwhelmed. He understood that he is the person for whom he is waiting. And then he said, okay, I am waiting for you. And then, under his training as like Ramakrishna with the Totapuri, a guru taught him the meditation and, and within a short period he got the knowledge of the absolute truth, Nirvikalpa Samadhi he attained. And he trained him in all the spiritual paths of the Vedic, Vedic culture. And then he said that, okay, and guru will, I was waiting for this, my work is done, so now you will have to preach this. Ah, so you just preach it. So for that you are given eight years additional life. So his life was eight years. Now by Guru's grace he got another extension of life, eight years. It became now sixteen years.
condition is that you will you will uh, have to preach this Vedic wisdom through rational thinking because the people have to understand this and people are also distorted with the idea that this uh, spirituality is the rituals. That is not. Spirituality is knowing the truth. So he then uh, he, and that, that expression is beautiful when he attained to that Nirvikalpa Samadhi eh, in the book Swami Premeshananda has written a life short life. He said then he felt Sankara felt that he has no beginning, no end, nothing to obstruct. He felt an incessant realization which is full, independent. No mind, no memory, no enjoyer, no enjoyment, no pleasure, no pain. An unbroken, indescribable bliss. Sankara felt that way. And then Govindapad instructed Sankara to get engaged in the mission of spreading the experience of the absolute reality. But Sankara's mind, getting this samadhi, was so absorbed in the absolute non-dual reality that when he came down from samadhi, the world appeared to him like that of a mirage, utterly false, utterly unimportant. As we see, when you come out of... Uh, you are going to dream half awakened, as you see the dream, the world appeared to him like that of a dream. And, and he also understood that the people and the whole humanity is suffering so much, being in the spell of maya. And then he felt a tremendous urge in the mind also for redeeming these souls. Then Govindapad, his guru, then said, that I am holding this knowledge from my Guru Govindapad, uh, uh, Gaudapad. Gaudapad got it from Sukadev. Sukadev got it from Bas and is coming down from the spiritual origin. So this spiritual tradition cannot die. So you do one thing. You compose that Basa has written already the sutras are the aphorisms to explain what is the truth of the Upanishads with reason and rationality. So you do one thing, this Brahma Sutra, it is called the Brahma Sutra, you compose, you write a commentary on this Brahma Sutra and, and according to the spirit of the Vedas, not with another philosophy. So you go and you go to the Benaras Benares was the seat of learning all the time. And you preach that, and I am now leave my body eh, into in samadhi. He went into samadhi, left his body, and then Shankara to fulfill the mission and the instruction of his guru. So he moved to Benares or Kashi. And when he Kashi, he went, when he came to the Kashi, then it was the seat of learning during that time, university. Uh, it was an uh, old time uh, city which has so much of heritage, spiritual heritage. So when he went to Benaras, then what happened? People are flocking from different parts of India. Elderly and scholarly people came 
and take refuge in him because he had the wisdom, he has the experience, a man of experience, talking with authority, and his intellect is so bright intellect that it is anything he says, you cannot uh, just uh, discard his argument. It is a very strong base is there on argument and reasoning. So, that is the said that Juba Shisha, Juba Guru, Vridha Shisha. All the, he is a boy of eight years boy, he is a guru. And all the who are learners, they are all matted locked, big, eh, old uh, scholars of the time and great sadhus and saints like that. And he became so popular that people are coming from all directions. And he was doing like that. <coughs> Shankara, after coming down from Nirvikalpa, saw that this world is like the Maya. And he felt that Jagat Mitha, that is his philosophy. Eh? Brahma Satya, Brahma Satyam, Jagat Mitha. What is the truth? Absolute truth is Brahman, which is transcendental reality. And anything in the level of duality is a changing substance. It is not an ultimate truth. So, he felt that and he preached that. And then in his mind came, I'm composing this, but for whom? What is the meaning? It is useless. This world is all Maya. It is all non-existent ultimately. In the, when I attain to the wisdom in Nirvikalpa Samadhi, it is all bliss, 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 and there is no uh, little trace of this world and this, its suffering. So, tremendous renunciation in his mind. Then he thought, whose uh, benefit? Whose benefit shall I do? There is no existence of this. So, he felt that only non-dual knowledge is there. There is no there is no other entity. So, he experienced like Totapuri, the transcendental reality. Brahman is transcendental. Brahman is the only reality and that is the transcendental reality. But he could not understand that time because of his tremendous renunciation that God is immanent also. So, sometimes his mind merges into samadhi, sometimes it comes down with little love and affection for the people seeing when he comes to the human level, then he feels the suffering of the people. But again, tremendous renunciation and the spirit of union with the divine takes away his all loving commotion and emotions. And Shankar become little indifferent to the suffering of others and only to just to follow Guru's instruction. You cannot avoid Guru's instruction, so he started following the instructions of the Guru only. And what he did? Then he... Then Madhar, Annapurna, the devotion, the spirit of devotion, or it is God's creation. A God is permeated here. This spirit didn't happen. So when he was composing like that, and then one day a miraculous incident happened. Then that day uh, he was going to see the 
Vishwanath temple, the Lord Shiva. And Benaras Vishwanath is the presiding deity. So Sankara took a dip and then one wanted to go to offer the worship to the Lord Shiva. And when he was, he was moving, surprisingly he found that a, a lady with her husband, dead husband, is lamenting, sitting on the road. And he sat in, she sat in such a way that the dead body is covering the, blo blocking the road. Then Sankara said, Mother, please do one thing. Please remove the dead body. I can go. Why are you blocking the road? And that lady said, Oh. And she started weeping and because husband has pa passed away. And then she said, Yes, you don't. Why not you tell this dead body to move? She said, Huh? What is that? You are a fool. You don't understand the dead body cannot move itself. And why not, sir? You preach the absolute Vedanta, absolute Brahman, and there is no universe, nothing. Huh? Then why not the dead body move? Brahman is inactive. Brahman does not do anything. So you know you need my help. This is Shakti. And saying so, she, Shankara saw suddenly the Divine Mother Annapurna appeared there and gave the knowledge that you are, your mind is going into the height of non-dual, but you are living in the world. This world is Shakti's play, Mother's play. That is the Divine Mother. That was the imperfection of Totapuri, what Sri Ramakrishna fulfilled. Here we find the same thing. Here a divine vision came, and here the vision that it is mother, it is the whole universe. Absolute truth is unchangeable like Shaba, the dead body. Unless someone moves it, it cannot move. This whole universe is a movement. Uh, some say it is Shiva's dance. It is possible because of the Shakti. So, you, are too, you cannot get out of Shakti. So you have to accept both the truths. That is the philosophically. 
But still after this experience, what happened? His mind is still in such a different plane. He didn't come, thought that it is a good thing uh, to still do the things. Then one day, Lord Shiva, in a playful mood, uh, to, he have a still one part of the mind says when he comes to the body level, I am a Brahmin, they are low caste, high caste, low caste. In India it is still now. Shankara then said, <coughs> it is a low caste, high caste, that tendency, pure, impure, this tendency is there. In the relative level, as we carry in our mind, it is better, it is inferior, it is pure, it is impure. So Shankara, though established in the absolute knowledge, when in Samadhi, but coming down, though he saw this mother's play going on, still there remain a remnant of that play of duality, thinking in that level of duality that is high and low. So one day he was coming, and one day he found again another, another, a, a man, a mad, mad, mad person sitting on a dog, huh? just climbing. Mad people do like things. Sitting on the dog, and with the bread, he's eating in a bite. This you are seeing dog. It is Vishnu, you the Lord, you Vishnu is laughing at me? Why are you laughing? Sarmam Vishnu Mayam Jagat. Look, everything is permeated with that one absolute truth that is Vishnu, the Lord. There is nothing but Lord in the universe. Suddenly, it brought a tremendous revelation in his mind. That is, see, two experiences. Shiva appeared there, that, that, that guy is gone, that outcast is gone, and there appeared Lord Shiva to give this knowledge. That is done. Now his age is coming to 16. Eight years, eight years was sanctioned to him. So eight years, and his composition of the commentary is almost done. And he also, many students came and he also started teaching them and different uh, lessons are given and this has created some students also, good students. Now he wanted to, now ready to give up the body. Mission is done. Guru said, write a commentary on this Brahma Sutra and preach that way. I preached and I have created some of my bright students who can hold on this philosophy and can continue. Then came the question, okay, one day, a 
Brahmin, old Brahmin appeared. From where? In India, we don't put questions like the West. Uh, first, before you come, you have to send a biodata. Huh? I am this, I am that, I am this great, 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 great. So no question like that. You come and challenge, hey, I want to ask you some question. So somebody came like a old guy and challenged that boy, Sankara. And when the Sankara was a boy only, as I said, he is now coming to close to 16, 8 plus 8. 16 years boy. And one old guy came and he didn't do anything, just came and said, uh, I challenge your I, I challenge your commentary. So then he what what intensely and just you come and say hey I don't like your philosophy this is the wrong thing okay okay then no no it is not true don't go on putting your argument so it is three days passed, and with this uh, question, Shankara thought, really, so we should ask, because his brain, his intellect is so uh, matured that uh, this type of person is not an ordinary person. So he thought, who may be that person? But anyhow, he asked, sir, Shankara with humility said, sir, with humble attitude, sir, please tell me who I am. Otherwise, this type of question, this type of argument, ordinary people cannot do that. Then Shiva, Shankara, <coughs> no, Vyasa did, sorry. Vyasa appeared. Vyasa who have written the verses called Brahma Sutras, composed by Vyasa. Vyasa appeared and said, I am very pleased with you. Your, your explanation of the Brahma Sutras, as I wrote, my intention, you could understand, and you have written your commentary in the right earnest. I approve it. Now, I sanction you another 16 years of life. He said, no, I don't want. My, my work is done. I want to be in Samadhi, like Swami Vivekananda. Eh? Ramakrishna said, no, you will have to work. So he said, no. I, am, I have done my duty because you know my guru told to write the commentary I wrote it and you are now pleased you Basho, you say how, what is the intention of your aphorisms yes you are satisfied and I have created my, my, some of my students so my duty is done so please well, no you know Shankar preaching does not depend on intellectual knowledge even a man of realization speaks. That is not enough. You have to show your life and you have to move from one part to the other part and bring this 
spiritual wisdom. Intellectual knowledge, spiritual wisdom together. And that can make a transformation in the society. So, you are given another 16 years of life, do that and then you will be released. So again, extension of 16 years by Basso's uh, appearance and his grace, Sankara got it and then he started moving from a, one part to the other part of uh, India and settling four major centers in whole of India. Uh, and, and, and four teachers, he assigned four teachers. He, there are other big stories, I'm not going to that. He established four centers, one in East, I do not know, it is called the Puri, it is Govardhan Mat, and in the West, Dwarka, it is the Saroda Mat. And then in the north, Badri, eh? Yosimot, and in the south, Rameshwaram, or Sing Singeri. And he established four of his students who will hold on the spiritual tradition of the ancient eh, Upanishads, which will never be destroyed by anybody because these are the pithas called the uh, holding ground. So these are the motors he established. And you can imagine a boy moving from one part to the other part of India and establishing this type of activity. And also he had to fight. His opponents were Buddhism. Buddhism he had to counteract. And also he has to fight with what is called the Karma Kanda. So his argument you will find in the commentary of Sankara. Whenever you read anything, in the Gita, Gita's commentary or anything you read, there are two aspects we'll find that he's fighting with. One, he's putting again and again, karma cannot give you total liberation. Karma can make your mind free from blemishes. Chitta shuddhi. Chitta shuddhi karma, natu bastu upalabdhai. That is Sankara's stand. But you understand, it is not contradictory to our philosophy of this Ramakrishna tradition, Vedanta. That time, karma was meant those type of rituals and sacrificial fire by which you go to heaven. You can attain whatever you want in material life. You, you can perform those jaggas and in a proper way doing that, you attain to that power. So, Shankara was always fighting with this karma and gano, samuchaya. Knowledge cannot stay with karma. So long you are, karma, you are doing karma, Sankara's argument, Buddha's argument will also be the same. Why do you do karma? Because you want to, to achieve something. If you don't know, if you have no idea of achieving something, you will not, you will not go to do anything. Suppose if you have no idea that uh, to uh, learn some science or some something, you don't go to the university. Work follows. First is the desire. And desire comes from ignorance. 
and ignorance is the cause of our birth and death. So ignorance can be removed by knowledge only. That is Shankara's stand. Strong stand. And, and we have to understand, Shankara is not only Gani, but he is a Bhakta. But don't mix it here. Because when Shankara had to face the Buddha, decadence of Buddhism, and also the Kumaril Bhatto who has spread the Karmakanda idea all over India, so again, every home, people thinking that let me do these rituals and I will attain everything. But they should know, ritual is good. But ultimate knowledge depends on knowing the truth. Ignorance to be removed. Ignorance cannot go if there is no light. So, Shankara's stand is that Gyanat Mukti. By knowledge, you attain freedom, freedom from all bondage. That is Sankara's philosophy. And he emphasizes eh, Brahma Shattam. Brahman is ultimately the truth. Final truth is that absolute truth. Jagat Mitta, this world is all, Mitta means unreal. Mitta does not mean hallucination. Mitta means which is not the same tomorrow, which is not same next moment. So, Brahma Sattva, Jagad Mitha. And the third point, Jiva, Brahma Yavunapara, individual Jiva, is essentially, we are all Shiva, Jiva Eva, Jiva Brahma Eva. Jiva, you are Brahman, I am Brahman, but I have forgotten that because of my desire, because of my ignorance and spiritual life means to unfold that by strong reasoning. You can do karma by selfless work and then selfless work will purify the mind and then chitta shuddhi will occur and then chitta, when it is pure mind and pure understanding, then the truth will reflect in that. For, and and Shankara's stand is for knowledge you need not have to do anything. To attain the knowledge of Brahman you need not have to do anything. It is always there inside. The sun is always in the sky. Only cloud covers. So if the cloud has covered you try to remove the cloud. And cloud is there in the mind. Misconception about the truth. Misconception about you. That's why Shankara all the Viveka Churamuni and all these small books and the big books, whatever you read, you'll find he's emphasizing that I'm not the body, not the mind. These are the five elements. It is the, all the uh, permutation and combination of all the three gunas. So, always saying that you are pure, you are pure, you are pure. That's how Vivekananda brought it in this age, that to say you are pure. Huh? Only assert that and then fight with the ignorance and get out of the desire. Huh? So these are the all the way. Desire means desire for the higher, desire for the infinite, desire for the limitless. And don't bind yourself to these uh, very petty little things. So we find that that he established these four centers and also he is the first person to categorize the monastic tradition of India in ten groups. 
That's why it is said, when you ask the name of a monk, huh? we say, my name is Swami Sarvadevananda, but that is not my full name. You have to say, my name to a monastic order. If any other monk asks you, you have to say, Sarbo Devananda Puri. Puri is the category. You will find the Sonnasin's name Saraswati. Eh? Aranya, Born, Parbat. These are the ten categories he established. And monastic tradition, which is coming from the wisdom line, lineage of wisdom from Shukadev down, must be within this ten category to be recognized as Vedic sannyasis. Vedic sannyasis means these sannyasis, these monks following the path of the Vedas. You may be taking sannyas by yourself. That is not recognized. That is called Appanthi. <laughs> you are your own Pantha. Yeah, I am the master. I have taken... I, so that, that will not be recognized. If you, you can be a good musician, but no one will recognize you unless there is a gharana. There is a lineage who, who, through which you are learning. Who is your guru? Who is your teacher? Who is teacher of teacher? That means that carries some strength. That carries some potency. And that carries some meaning because it has been tested and verified. These spiritual traditions are tested and verified again and again. That's why monastic tradition he has set in the ten divisions. Uh, Giri, Parbat, Bon, Puri, Aranya, Saraswati... And then Nudi, uh, like that. Different, I forgot all the ten. But anyway. So this is in brief what is Sankara's life and Sankara's philosophy. But if you um, want to read more, then you will have to... Um, we can... We, last, last time we talked about Sankara and we took uh, two sessions. But this time I finished in one session keeping the, because you will be tired again, <laughs> no new new message is there. Message is this, that uh, he was an extraordinary saviour of Hinduism. Uh, today's Hinduism, today's Vedanta is saved because of Sankara. And there are beautiful stories of, of, of Sankara's, how he had to fight with the Karmakandas and the Buddhists in different areas. And it's very uh, interesting stories about how he gave up his body to learn about the questions of Uhaya Bharati. Uh, the, who is a Kumaril Bhatta, who uh, was the propounder of the uh, Vedic culture of the, what you call the ritualistic side of Vedan, Vedas. To defeat him, he had to do enormous uh, work. Then he went to Kumaril. Kumaril was saying, Kumaril said, I am now dying eh? on mortification because I have cheated my guru saying that I am a Buddhist. I, I, am, a, I am a Buddhist, but I am not. I am a Hindu. Eh? I am a Vedic person. So I have cheated my guru. One should not cheat his guru. So I am mortifying myself and he is in the death. Uh, he is putting himself into slow death by putting fire eh? in his body. But it's called um, some husk, gathered some husk, and you sit over there, and slow burning. It's a very painful thing, I know. Uh, tremendous austerity, so that it counteracts the sin in God to lie to your guru. And then his effort to his disciple, 
and he met him and counteracted with him and then defeated him then his wife was equally a scholar and not only scholar she was the uh, mother saraswati herself it is said so she put shankara into trouble she said yes you have uh, with argument my husband you have uh, taken uh, him into your hold that means he will be a monk then where shall i go so you have to defeat me also so she put some very queer questions and about marriage life and this and that then shankara said ma i do not know all this because in this body i am a, from early days i don't know anything about household life but give me time so you write your questions i will respond to your replies so like that then he got the questions and then he went entered into the body of a dead body of a king eh? and then dead body was taken the king's body was taken to the pyre and suddenly the dead body woke up <laughs> shankara entered into that body and then he experienced responded to these questions and came back and then his success was possible it's a nice story if you can read digvijay shankara digvijay there is a book probably you can find it that's a good book uh, translated into english there are many translations but some translation may be there shankara digvijay is the name of the book that's the life very beautiful life you can read that anyhow so this is on the uh, brief uh, life of sankara and his philosophy thank you